0: So, the Bible reading this morning is taken from Isaiah chapter 53, which is to be found on page 741 in the Old Testament parts of the Bible in the pews. Isaiah 53, starting to read at verse 1. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living From the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord.
1: please keep the verse open 741 let's pray father by your Holy Spirit please guide us from your written word to the truth of your living word our Lord Jesus Christ and change our lives amen well the big issue last week had this uh, advertisement in it the title of this is uh, a Bible passage that changed my life, uh, and I hope it'll change everybody's. But uh, this was a different sort of change, which uh, was in the big issue. It says, wear jeans, change lives. And you think, well, that's that's quite interesting. but superficial, maybe. Should be changing from the inside, not the outside. Uh, But then you look a little closer, and it says, do good, look good, in our limited edition T-shirt. So it seems to be about a T-shirt, not jeans, after all. And then at the bottom it says, all profits from the sale of the T-shirt will help transform the lives of children with life-altering genetic disorders. So some of the money might go to some research which might help some children. So not very reliable if you look closer. The Bible is the opposite of that. The closer you look, the more reliable it is. This is a two-point sermon. Isaiah 53 changed my life twice, and the first time was because I believed what it said, and I became a Christian. I put my trust in Jesus Christ as a result of this passage. And the second point will be that it has also changed my life because it's convinced me that the Bible is reliable, that it is consistent, and that God. Is reliable because Isaiah 53 is prophecy and it's fulfilled in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus I've got a a sheet it's a bit of a cheek isn't it please don't think I'm getting above myself and being arrogant but at the back or from Esther there's a sort of list of cross references because if I go through them all um, you'll go to sleep and I'll go mad, and you'll miss something. So please, look, look at them afterwards and, and try, if you will, and follow it uh, as, as we go through. John's Gospel says in chapter 20 that these things, the Bible, his Gospel in particular perhaps, uh, are written so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God, and believing have life in his name. And for me, the Bible is the main source of confidence that that's true. For other people, it, it may be different. Some people have experiences, or they have answered prayer, or they see the hand of God in other ways. Uh, they, have, they hear a voice. They see a vision, um, as the Holy Spirit keeps Jesus' promise to teach us and to remind us of everything that he said to his disciples. So for me, it may be different for you, but for me, It's the Bible which is a better guide to God's will than what I think or feel or see or hear. So I know that God keeps his covenant promises because the promise that's in this passage was kept by Jesus. And I can trust him with my life. And so can you. So before I became a Christian, I had read the Bible a bit. I thought I knew a little bit about uh, uh, Genesis to Kings and the Gospels. And like Bertie Worcester, I did win a prize for scripture at school. But I didn't really understand it or really know God. Uh, I was a disturbed child. I was pretty horrible, really. I'm not going to tell you much about that. But I did punch the headmaster once on the nose. And I didn't get flogged for it either. Anyway. Anyway. Um, I was taken to camp when I was about 14 or 15 in the summer, and Christians there went through this particular verse in Isaiah 53, and uh, they explained it to me like this, forgive me if this looks childish, but I was a child at the time, and sometimes we do need to think like children. So what he said was this, it's the verse that uh, Esther read, we all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And it's explained to me to me like this, really. Um, if this book represents sin, um, and this is me, sheep, gone astray, turned to my own way, following my own desires and path and doing what I wanted to do. And the Lord God in heaven has laid on him, get this the right way around, Jesus on the cross, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all. It's Come from me, and it's gone to him. And now the barrier between me and God has gone. Now that sounds very, very simple, but that's what Jesus has accomplished, not just for me, but for everybody. And that's how it was explained to me. And in the state that I was at the time, I knew that that was true. I believed it. And since that time, the Bible has proved again and again and again that God fulfills his promises. Now, I had to be sorry, and I was, and I had to want to change, and I did, and I had to want God to come in and to clean me up, and I did, and I had to believe that he would, and I did. So I did, and I prayed, and he did. I said something like, I believe you died for me. Please forgive me. Come into my life and clean me up and take over. And he did. And rather slowly, I have changed. My life has changed. I haven't punched the headmaster on the nose now for some years. Anyway, stand back. (laughs) So that's how I began. But reading the Bible and trusting Jesus was absolutely vital to that new relationship. I wandered off many times I forgot Uh, my uh, enthusiasm uh, waxed and waned and lots of ups and downs but I began to trust the Bible more because I think most of us just get the occasional doubt just occasionally can it really be true does God love me that much does God love me enough for Jesus to die in my place better to trust the Bible than what I might think or feel about that. On Friday in the Abbey, I was trying to give away some Bibles and um, there was a lady there who said that she was doing an MA at the MOD in Peace, or no, not Peace, Defense Studies. And uh, we talked about that for a bit, and she was saying it's very difficult because, of course, um, truth is subjective. One chap tells you this, one chap. So I said, well, you can't, can't have subjective truth, really, can you? Oh yes, yes, your truth and my truth, they quite happily um, be together. Um, and then she mentioned her father, so I was a bit cheeky. And I said, well, he says he's your father. Is he, is he really your father, biologically? Without being rude to her mum, it was a matter of whether he was or he wasn't. He can't be her father and not be her father at the same time, it's silly. So, for me at least, truth is truth. It it, it just isn't different. And the real truth is in the Bible. So, Jesus thought that the Old Testament was true and reliable and binding on him. He relied on it, he lived by it, and he died by it. Particularly, Isaiah 53. How do I say that? Well, in Luke 22... He says this in verse 27, this is just before he was arrested. It is written, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. He was numbered with the transgressors. Oh, there it is in Isaiah 53. Second last verse, well last verse really. Numbered with the transgressors. And that has to be fulfilled well, just that line, no the whole passage yes what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment so the guess who quiz pretty clear Jesus says who is the Old Testament who's God talking about in the Old Testament in Isaiah 53 it's me so I thought that was a a starting point he's got about three days to go at that stage before he fulfills every part of this passage and many, many others in the Old Testament. It's written somewhere between, I don't know, people argue about it, 8th or 6th century BC, something like that, perhaps a bit bit younger than that. Many hundreds of years before Jesus' death. And it all comes together in him. He also says in Luke 24, on the road to Emmaus, he says to the two disciples there, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. All that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures. Concerning himself, what are all the scriptures? Well, he says a bit later in the same chapter This is what I told you while I was still with you Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses the prophets and the Psalms the Psalms Probably means the writings so that's three chunks of the Old Testament Hebrew Bible Law prophets and writings so he means all of the Old Testament Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. The New Testament explains that that's exactly what happened. So before his death and after the resurrection, Jesus says the same thing, that scripture uh, foretells what he would do and be and that he has fulfilled it. You can look at Psalm 22 as well, that's a very um, strong, picture of uh, crucifixion being described maybe three or 400 years before crucifixion had been invented by Carthaginians and handed on to Romans. So Jesus sees in himself the suffering servant in this passage, he quotes Psalm 22 on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there's a description in there which is a horribly accurate description of the experience of crucifixion hundreds of years before anybody had thought of such a horrible thing. So he sees himself as the suffering servant and th- th- the passage really starts in Isaiah 52 verse 13 and, and amongst the verses that I've given you there are some there about uh, sprinkling many nations and the fact that the sacrifice applies not just uh, to the, the uh, children, as it were, of Abraham, but to many nations. And sprinkling is also quite interesting. Please look these things up. I mean, I'm not suggesting that, that I'm so important that you need to listen to everything I say, but this time, please, it really is, I think, very um, convincing. Anyway, he, he knew this was going to happen. He told his disciples it was going to happen. He told them in Matthew 16, I must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of elders, chief priests, teachers, and the uh, teachers of the law, must be killed and on the third day raised to life. In John 3, he says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man himself be lifted up, that anyone who believes in him may have its everlasting life. But he's not really very cheerful about it. He submits to this prophecy. in in some pain in Gethsemane. Remember the prayer, it's in Luke and Matthew. If you're willing, Father, take this cup from me, nevertheless not my will but yours be done. So although in one sense you might say it's inevitable that Jesus would fulfill this prophecy, it was also a matter of his human obedience to bring himself to do so. But it is clear from what he says in the Gospels and what the Gospel writers say that events which happen in Jesus' life fulfill scripture. And this for me is the most (laughs) exciting thing because if you see the Old Testament and New Testament as different, as some people do, you don't get on so well with it but if you could see that it's together and it fits and the one fulfills the other and the the other explains the one then you really quid's in when it comes to <laughs> understanding a bit more of what of what god says and he does say in matthew uh, 26 uh, when he's about to be uh, arrested He says, all this takes place so that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. And again, when he says in John 12, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men to me, that's to explain the kind of death that he would die. And shortly after that, he says that the signs, the, the, the gospel writer says that the signs And the wonders which Jesus has performed are to fulfill the word of the prophet Isaiah, this very prophecy. And he also says that Isaiah said what he said in Isaiah 53, what we call 53, because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. So New Testament, Jesus in his life before his death and in his resurrected life, absolutely certain that he is fulfilling the Old Testament, God's revealed will. So it's a bit difficult to wonder actually how many of these possible fulfillments, and I won't read them all now, uh, could have been engineered by man, possibly one, a very, very brave and strong man might have been able to pray for those who were torturing him. The last part of the verse says, he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But most of the rest are, are too difficult. You couldn't really arrange them yourself in advance just to fulfill scripture. So for me that shows that God's hand is entirely at work in Jesus' life and death. For example, in 53.1, Who has believed, to whom has the, Lord, the arm of the Lord been revealed? And Matthew 8, Jesus carries out a healing of Peter's mother-in-law, and specifically afterwards says, this healing was to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah. Okay, well, that's a, that's a start. What Are there any other verses that fulfilled? Verse 3, despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces, despised, and we esteemed him not. Peter, soldiers, Herod, Pilate, Barabbas, priests, people, rulers, Roman soldiers, passers-by in the Gospels, all reject Jesus at the time of his cross and passion even at the beginning of John's gospel he says he came to his own but his own received him not well that could be a coincidence I suppose let's 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 press on verse 5 pierced for our transgressions pierced strange word many hundreds of years BC. John 19, pierced hands and feet and the spear piercing his side. It's beginning to be quite convincing, isn't it? And because we can believe how it fulfills the the events, we can believe how it fulfills the promise that the Lord has laid on him, the Lord in heaven has laid on Jesus on the cross, the iniquity of us all, not just the things that I know I've done wrong, not just the things that I sort of think I probably have to admit I've done wrong and the things I've noticed, but my sinful nature, all of it. Uh, Verse seven, he opened not his mouth. Well, he didn't in the Sanhedrin and before Caiaphas, for at least part of the trial by oppression and judgment he was taken away could you think of a more oppressive trial midnight arrest Annas, Caiaphas, Sanhedrin, Pilate, Herod, Pilate tried in one place for one thing tried in another place for another thing and Pilate's repeated I find no guilt in this man it's an innocent who is suffering in this way. I have who can speak of his descendants rather than um, what was read in the version you have in front of you in in verse eight. Uh, But it is very clear later that he says uh, in verse 10, he will see his offspring. So it's difficult to imagine how you could reconcile those those two prophecies. Not gonna have any children and yet he has offspring. That, That seems very odd. And yet, it's clear, uh, John 3, to them, those who believed him, to them he, uh, sorry, as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God. It's spiritual offspring, and that's all of us. And, and what's this cut off from the land of the living in verse uh, uh, 8, and then um, in verse 10, prolonging his days, and in 11, after the suffering of his soul, He will see the light of life. Dead and then see life. It's resurrection, isn't it? It can't possibly be anything else. And that's the experience that the church has had. No violence, no deceit. The Lord's will to crush him. A strange word. Crushed. I've seen a number of plays depicting the crucifixion and I've spoken to some of the actors who've, played the part of Jesus and they say the same thing Uh, and you could see when my son did it, you could see the the marks uh, on his arm from the straps which were used to hold him Uh, and the heavy bruises, just from taking his own weight in that position, Um, I'm told that the death by crucifixion is asphyxiation, that you no longer have the strength to lift your chest to breathe in air. And that's why uh, they broke the legs of two with Jesus to speed up the process. Because if your legs are broken, you can't push up anymore. This is getting a bit grim, isn't it? It's supposed to be good news, (laughs) and it is. It's the most astonishingly, astonishingly good news. But it's true that he poured out his soul to death. He did say, I lay down my life and take it up again. No one takes it from me. And the poured out his life is similar to the, uh, the expression uh, in Matthew 27. He gave up his spirit, an active noun, not a passive, well, active tense, isn't it? Not a passive tense, not my life was taken from me by this awful process, but I gave it up. He says that uh, I lay down my life and take it up again. No one takes it from me. Inexplicably, Jesus is in charge of this appalling event. That's grace for you, isn't it? And there are, there are others um, numbered with transgressors. Well, that's very straightforward. Two, two men crucified with him. But again, the business about the grave... numbered with the transgressors, but with the rich and his death. If you, if you look at that verse about the, the breaking of the legs to be sure, I mean, the, the, the thing for us is that that makes it very clear that Jesus is really dead. This is not some sort of uh, revival. This is uh, real death and real resurrection. But it is impossible to fiddle It's impossible to say, well, I do this, I do that, just to sort of make it look as if this, this is uh, uh, engineered in some way. It can't possibly be there are too many and there are many, many more which come together. So, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing, you may have life in his name. For me, it's looking at things like this and seeing how they fit together that tells me that God is reliable. God does keep his promises. A horrible, in a way, but glorious promise like this. But he keeps his promises. And if he keeps these, then he'll keep all his promises, all his prophecies. And so we need to take... I think, good notice of them. So, what are all these promises? Well, the good news is I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to look it up because my time has run out. But, are you convinced by how Isaiah 53 is fulfilled in the New Testament? If you are, it's a toolkit. The fitting together of the old and the new is a toolkit. For, uh, for witness, and if you're not convinced, please read it and ask the Spirit to teach and to lead you as Jesus promised. Paul preached in Berea in Acts 17, and people believed. Fountains, joy. But he goes on to say not just that they believed, but they they were more noble than the people in Thessaloniki because they searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were true. And that is such a boost to our relationship with God. It is such a boost to worship. It really is. If you read it, and ask God to reveal himself, worship flows. The relationship with God is, is fostered. No, it's the wrong word for relationship, it (laughs) blossoms. So for me, at any rate, that's my testimony from this. This this passage has changed my life twice. It made me a Christian, and it continues every time I read it to encourage me and remind me that God is reliable, and I can trust God's promises. Amen.